Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome back. I hope you are not holding your breath because you would have long been dead. It has been a long time since the Spiro Avenue Road was open, and we are back. I am thrilled to be back. I would say that I don't really remember what to do or what I'm doing, but I don't think I ever really knew, so that's an advantage. But we are back. I'm thrilled to be back. And coming back is particularly wonderful when it means bringing back one of my top three, four guests of all time, not just in my view, but by the popular vote, Tony Paul. Detroit News. Welcome back, man. Hey, man. Good to be back. I love what you've done with the place. Thank you. It looks great. Yeah. I, I, you know, I did it mostly to impress you. Yeah, so well, you, well done. Mission yeah, accomplished. That was the goal. Yep. So mission accomplished. Yep. And so, look, when we originally discussed having you back here for this, I don't know, inaugural, re-inaugural, whatever you want to call it, episode, it was under a context of, okay, Tigers post-mortem, virtually. I mean, a couple games left, but virtually. And it was going to be, I think, almost entirely negative, at least on my end. I can't speak for you. There's been a little bit of a glint, a flare, if not an entire fireworks show of joy that was sort of tacked on post-booking of this program based on the hire that they made. I want to, before we get into that and the sunshine and rainbows, I want to tip, uh, dip into my bread and butter where I'm comfort, you know, my comfort level is and my comfort zone is. Just being miserable with the Detroit Tigers. And, and then we'll get to the optimism. I'll get there. But I want to say, as we head into the last few games here of 2022, I was thinking about this the other day. I can't decide. But to me, this is, this is a subjective perspective. I don't care. You can disagree. This is one of the two worst Detroit Tigers seasons of my lifetime. Now, that does not mean by record. It doesn't mean it's one of the two worst teams necessarily. It's one of the two worst seasons when you're balancing my personal expectations, how much I just enjoyed it or not. The only season that really compares is the 2008 season, year one of Cabrera. Renteria is here. Everyone's excited. They were Team, supposed to score a thousand runs. thousand runs. Cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. They finished last in the AL Central. So whether it's one or two, I think it's on anybody's top five list if you're in my age range or, or younger for the worst Tigers fan experience recently. What the hell happened here? What? Ha- why were they? How was a team that Chris Castellani, myself, Anthony Broom, measured people all across the block were saying, eh, 82, 83 wins. Keith Law made fun of us at the time. Why were we not just wrong, but 30 games wrong? Well, first, I would almost put this season up, up worse than that. This has been just awful you know i mean this this was supposed to be the first time since they made the playoffs that they were at least gonna you know have hope of playing some meaningful baseball when the kids go back to school as opposed to not playing any meaningful baseball after the kids got out of school (laughs) i mean for i mean for literally there was no meaningful baseball after mid-may with this team and uh a bunch of things went wrong um you know guys that you know maybe had decent seasons last year didn't didn't do what they you know, didn't follow up. Um, injuries were atrocious. Injury, I mean, and you, you can say oh, that's an excuse, but it was. 
But um, on that front, I also think they need to figure out why they had the injuries that they had. Um, I mean, they're all pitchers and they're all arms. And, you know, I'm just, I'd like, I'd like a deep dive into why that's going on. But brutal season, a bad, you know, bad decisions by the front office. And uh, here we are. <laughs> so I, I, I still think there's a really good argument for 2008 being worse just because you go in with one of the, Best odds in Vegas to win. Right. You were, you know, 06, mm-hmm. you were a prohibitive favorite in the World Series. 07, you had the best record in baseball at the All-Star break. Sheffield goes down, everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. So in that context, like personally, 08 was more miserable. But I'm 35. I've been paying attention for just shy of 30 years. Second worst season is still pretty bad. And yeah. I, I don't think that's unreasonable. No. And I and I think the argument to be made for this season was that it's been eight years since you made the playoffs. So there's this long gap now where you felt like now's the time where I don't think I thought they were going to make the playoffs, uh, but I thought that they would might can be on the back burner, you know, on the fringes of contending for that one of those wild cards. Um, so it's been eight years. Your fans are starving for a winner and or anything. I mean, you saw last year they finished, you know, what, eight games under 500 and the town went crazy. <laughs> I mean, looking forward to this season because of, of where they were. So I just think the drought kind of uh, just made this such a letdown. But I think as far as pure talent, and I, I would agree with you, 08 was a bigger bust. Um, this season was, you know, I think people were frustrated and, and kind of hated it early. And I think then they just kind of stopped paying attention. I'm going- I bet you there's not many Tiger fans that know they've won, what, six in a row or whatever it is. There's two sweeps in a row. You know I bet what? you there's not that many that even know because I think a lot of people just stopped watching. How very Detroit Pistons of them, by the way, like, like, Thanks. Like, I mean, I, it's a little different because the baseball draft is such a crapshoot. I mean, unless yeah. your name is Justin Spiro, you didn't realize Nolan Gorman was a steal in the late teens in uh, the 18 draft. But it is still kind of annoying that they tumbled four or five spots with this meaningless. Like, Eduardo Rodriguez absolutely dealing today. Like, thanks, asshole. Like, we're, like you know, welcome back. I'm glad. Yeah, thanks welcome for, back. Thanks for, coming, like, thanks for coming back. Yeah, as a team at the time, 31 games under, literally. So thanks a lot. I am an A.J. Hinch apologist, I think probably to the point of hypocrisy, to the point where I could be made fun of and I can't push back. I have no counter. Do you put anything this season on A.J. Hinch? I mean, do you think he's done an okay job and this was so beyond him? I mean, what's your read on his 2022 season just from the managerial? I have no issues with A.J. Hinch, never had. When they when they hired him and thought it was a brilliant hire, still think he's one of the best managers in the game. And uh, the offense was so bad. I mean, nobody could fix that. I, I mean, it was. I mean, historically, almost until the last, you know, until they perked up a little bit over the last what three four weeks, historically awful um, with a team that was supposed to be pretty good offensively. So I, I don't know how much you can put on him. I, I think he's. I think he, I think he runs out the lineups as best as possible. I think he's good with the pitching staff. I think he, I just think he's a really good manager. And this season just went to hell in a hurry, and there was just no bringing it back. So I, I, have, I have no issue with him. I, I'm with you 100. percent I still say I wouldn't trade him for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I, what Anthony Broom, you know, friend of mine, thinks that I am beyond a hypocrite with the AJ Hinch apologizing, but I don't care. I just, I love the guy. I just think this team was fucked from Jump Street. I will say I am a little bit confounded by the offense. Just generally, you mentioned it. I think firing hitting coaches or pitching coaches or whatever, you know, whatever 
is the definition of sacrificial lamb in sports. I mean, baseball has, I, I mean, offensive coordinator in football, whatever, that's like a more real thing. No, it's like, more hands-on. Right, it's, you're, right. You're calling the play. You exactly. Can't, you can't call the play for the hitter. Exactly. And the hitter's either going to make it out or not. And, I mean, do you put any stock into his decision to at least through the season retain Scott Coolbaugh as the hitting coach? Because I, I mean, if you can't get fired for this offensive performance, I don't know what you can. No, I, I, I don't have any issue with, with keeping the staff in place for during the season. I mean, I think there's going to be some hard decisions now made, and I especially think that's the case with the new president who made it very clear that we as the Tigers are not going to swing at pitches out of the strike zone and we are not going to throw pitches out of the strike zone. I mean, that's, that was his whole dissertation. If you listen to his press conference, it was fascinating. I've never heard anyone break down baseball quite like that going from the strike zone out, and it affects everything. And, um, so he made it very clear that uh, you're either going to, you know, swing at strikes or you're, or you're not going to be on this team. And so, um, I, so I think they might look at, uh, you know, some hitting coaches who maybe are a little bit more analytical and a little bit more better with video and whatnot. I think you could see some changes on the staff. I don't have an issue keeping a staff through the season. I, what's the point? I mean, you know. It's more like fan catharsis. No, at that fans, point. Want, fans want all coaches fired, and I get it, you know, I mean. It, that's that's being a fan you know and yeah but as far as hitting coaches and pitching coaches i think pitching coaches is a, a, a little bit i think can have a little bit more impact on, on what a uh, what a player does than a hitting coach um but uh I, I i don't see why you make a change at the beginning of the season i mean this guy you know cool ball knows these hitters i mean he's worked with them and you know, I don't see why you jump ship in the middle of the season, but I think there could be some changes coming. I agree with most of that, except for a minute ago, you said that they have some tough decisions they're facing. I don't know how tough it is to say. Hey, I meant mo- I I didn't mean that necessarily with the hit, with the staff as opposed. I think the tougher decisions are going to be with the roster. Well, and you know, I wasn't even planning to talk about Javi Baez, but I laughed my ever loving ass off when Scott Harris made that comment about dominating the strike zone right. on both sides. Right. I mean, is there a starker, is there a bigger gap between two principles than Javier Baez just as a human being and as a baseball player and someone dominating the strike zone? If that's the position, you have to get him out of here somehow, right? Well, good luck with that. And he was asked about I said somehow. He was asked about, uh, Scott Harris was asked about that afterward, of course, because that was the obvious question when you talk about dominating the strike zone. You want to swing at strikes, you want to pitch break. Well, big problem with the dominating the strike zone is, has Javi Baez who just doesn't swing at strikes. And I think I read something at least a month ago or something like that. If Javi Baez would have gone up to the plate with no bat this season and just stood there, he'd probably have a 400 on base percent. That's how much he swings at pitches out of the strike Why zone. would anyone throw this guy a strike unless it's like and nine thing, to nothing in the, the eight? The thing is, is he, and, and that's just another thing, like Javi Baez isn't that bad. Right. I mean, we've seen him be pretty good. Yeah. Scott Harris has seen him be pretty good. Scott Harris has experience with him with the Cubs. Um, you know, there were signs last year that Javi Baez was kind of getting it back together a little bit as far as a little bit more plate discipline. He's never going to be a guy that's, you know, going to be completely, you know, uh, you know, plate discipline oriented, but God, he's not that bad. I mean, it's just like one thing goes wrong, it just snowballs. But uh, yeah, they got to fix him. I mean, and I think Scott Harris made that pretty clear. I mean, you can't get rid of him, and I mean, you're probably, I mean, unless you find, you know, a taker, on, but I don't think you're going to find one now. He's got an opt-out, but he's not going to opt-out if he has another terrible season, so you have to yeah. fix him. The, ideally, you fix him, he has a great year, and then he opts out, and you move on and, and go a different direction. 
Yeah, I, I mean the the idea that we were so worried at some point of oh we don't we don't have this guy locked down he can be out of here in two years it's, it's, that is on a complete yeah. flip yeah where it's I mean I never thought that I was on this show with you with Chris with Anthony I told anybody with Evan I talked to everybody I know saying I don't want this guy here I didn't want him at the time and it's and look. Even I didn't see this coming. No, I thought no. when they signed him, it was better than Andrelton Simmons. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, you did something. It was just he was my fourth or he fifth had, choice. He had, he had four guys, and he was the fourth for most. I think most everybody distant for you know. Yeah, I think most people wanted Correa. Um, I was a seeker guy myself, but Correa right, was second. Which, by the way, which Correa could you know <laughs> be back on the market here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, go get him. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's going to be interesting to see how mm-hmm. Scott Harris is. Philosophy does mesh with um, with Chris Illich's willingness to continue to spend. So, so your expectations. But I mean, what are you going to do with Bias? You can't. I mean, you can't do no, anything. You're, you you're, are you're, stuck. You're with screwed them. right now. Um, I mean, maybe you can run into you know like an Eduardo Rodriguez situation <laughs> where he disappears, you know, for a couple of months and you can save some money. I mean, yeah. Is there anybody happier than Chris Illich that Eduardo went AWOL for a couple <laughs> months? The season's already lost, yeah. and that was like what I didn't do we'll the save, calculation. Yeah, like nine saved, million, yeah, probably saved him somewhere around eight to nine million dollars. Yeah. yeah, it just like right that right into his pocket. Yeah. That, that's well, just. That's, I mean, ideally, you just you have to find a way to get to fix bias or find a, some way to get him back to being somewhat the productive player for two reasons: one, he becomes good again, and then you're happy to have him; or he becomes good again and he leaves. To either one of those scenarios, probably the latter is probably the preferred one. Fixed bias. I mean, you need a hell of a mechanic for that. Your expectation going in to this year, I think you were somewhat in our boat. Like uh, they'll be kind of decent. Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that next year um, would be the year where they would contend, contend. And I thought this year would be the, the first step. I thought that, um, well, we talked before, I thought that this year could have been that contending year if they actually started the free agent process earlier, which they didn't. Um, but, uh, no, I thought they'd be decent and, uh, one injury after another too. So, I mean, again, when you talk about, you needed these young guys to be good or be pretty good and they showed flashes, but then, you know, a lot of them got injured. I mean, you lost, I mean, you lost your whole pitching staff by the end of May. I mean, for a variety of reasons. Um, and it's not a bad pitching staff. I, I'll, I'll argue that if they're healthy, they're not. I love Chris Fetter. I mean, Chris Fetter is good. Yeah. He's, I, he's turned. He's if they had Chris Fetter during the heyday. Oh my God! They might have actually been able to turn something out of that bullpen Chuck and won a World Series. And, yeah, seriously. I mean, I mean, clearly, I mean, he has a plan. That's why I say that. I still, I mean, pitching coaches can make a difference way more than hitting coaches. I, I, I believe that. Oh, I agree. I mean, if the Orioles with you know Leo and the, the mm-hmm. Braves were loaded forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for that exact reason, I would argue. So. Look, we are going to get into the the Scott Harris, you know, hip hip hooray shit soon. I think this will be the last time I talk with you on Mike about Alvila, and I want to be done with this. But I think, out of my own curiosity, I want to satisfy this. Okay, I want to do like a brief autopsy on this guy. So before we move on, putting the bow on, here's my take on the Alvila legacy in Detroit. I'm curious if you think I'm crazy. I think he's one of the two or three worst general managers in the history of this town. One, two, or three, take your pick. I think he has one of, if not the lowest fan approval ratings in the history of this town. I I hesitate to say most reviled because he seems like a good guy, but very low fan approval rating. 
And I think he is on the short, short list with two Lions executives, Chuck Schmidt and Matt Millen, as guys that somehow were the cockroach GM who could just not get fired no matter what they did in the wake of ample evidence that they need to go. He was in that top three in just terms of people asking themselves, what the fuck is this guy still doing here? Is anything I just said unfair, unreasonable? Is that a a realistic take on the legacy? Even if that's not what you think, isn't that his legacy here? Isn't that what people think? No, I mean, he's, he's got to be up there. Um, and personal feelings aside, because he's a good guy. I've uh, known him for years. Um, yeah, I mean, you put Randy Smith in there, too. I mean, if you want to add another Tigers GM. Yeah, I mean, but Randy did, Smith was terrible. What did was Randy terrible. Smith blow, though? Yeah, he didn't. But, what did he but blow? He, but he had how many years, though? I mean, he had how many years? I mean, he was terrible, too. So, um, and honestly, in a similar situation to to. Alavila, in that he wasn't given the world to spend, but he was given an, some to spend, and it was terrible. He'd be up there. Um, no, Avila, it didn't work, and I'm surprised. I thought it was going to work. Um, he, and as we've talked about before, he was very instrumental under Dombrowski. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was, the, you know, when Dombrowski became president and GM, Avila was almost the GM for a lot of those moves. We've talked about him. Um, he orchestrated the Cabrera move. He orchestrated the uh, uh, the Cespedes Fulmer move that we talked about. Um, JD co- was his. JD was his. Um, he he made a lot of the moves that that uh, you know Dabrowski as the as his chief executive gets credit for. So I thought it was going to work. I thought he was had a very good ba- baseball background in scouting and also an open mind to bring the Tigers who were dead last. I mean, you remember the. You know, the Billy Bean scene in Moneyball where there's this and this and then and 50 feet of crap and there's us. Yeah. That's where the Tigers were when it came to analytics. They're probably still like bottom five when it comes to analytics, but they're way better than they were because um, Avila was willing to at least embrace that. And Illich was willing to put some money into it, which uh, hadn't been done before either. So I thought it was going to work. And um, it, it was a colossal failure. And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, he wasn't given the Dombrowski hand. We all can agree on that. Dombrowski made some brilliant trades as a Tigers general manager. I mean, fleeced for Carlos Guillen, Plasso Polanco. I mean, Doug Fister, you can go on and on and on. He made like one or two bad trades, but he also had the checkbook that Mike Illich gave him. Alvio didn't have quite that, so it wasn't the same situation. Uh, but he was given money at the beginning, and, uh, you know, his his choices were Jordan Zimmerman and Mike Pelfrey and Mark Lowe and uh, I mean, you can go on and Justin Upton, and I mean, just terrible moves. Um, that a lot of them you could have seen coming. I don't think anyone was thrilled about Jordan Zimmerman being their choice to replace Max Scherzer. So it just it just didn't work. And uh, I also think that this team, scouting wise, has had so many of the same people in place for years and years and years. Um, when you talk about Place and Bream and Chad and all these guys, that there's no movement there. You know, you're not bringing, you know, you bring in Sartori, you bring in Menz and the two young kids. Um, but your scouting staff and the guys who do a lot of your drafting have remained the same for all these years. And I think that that was a misstep. Um, I think they, they missed the boat on that and not bringing in some fresh talent, fresh eyes. 
all fair except one point. You're perpetuating a little bit of a common Detroit myth with Dombrowski spending. You couched it a little bit, but you, you stuck. You tried to backdoor it. The spending thing, Dombrowski inherited the worst situation in the sport in oh, 03. Oh, no. he. I'm not saying he didn't. But they were, but hold on. They were the prohibitive favorite in the World Series. I don't blame Dombrowski that they lost. They were the prohibitive favorite in the World Series three years after with a middle of the pack payroll. They were like 17th in baseball, 16th in baseball. Well, in they, he, they, five years after he got. Well, okay, this three years after. Three years after the, they bought him. No, it was four years after the, because he got there in 02. Yeah, he That's, got there in November of 01. So remember splitting hairs, whatever. November of but, but it was five years. It was five years is different yeah. than three. They bottomed out in three years or Fair. three years before. Okay. Hey, remember when they had Randy Smith as the GM under Dombrowski for like three yeah, weeks? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Randy Smith and Phil Garner. Yeah, yeah. That was the end of that. They're like, yeah, we're keeping it. reminded me of uh, with the wings, you know, brought in Iserman. They're like, yeah, Ken Holland's going to stay in. It's like this. Everyone knew that shit's not going to last. But uh, yeah, like Randy Smith's going to stay on as a GM. Dombrowski was. Yeah. And GM yeah, right. within like 20 days. Right. I don't know. I okay, I want to touch on Dombrowski a little bit later, actually, but I'm a huge Dombrowski fan and I'm just going to. Dombrowski's great. I, I, I think he's, I he's, hate, he's done well in a different way than, you know, he, I, he's, he's done it. He, he's made great trades and he's done it with a checkbook everywhere he's been. He's done it with a, look at where he won. Okay. Marlins, checkbook. Tigers, checkbook. Boston, checkbook. I mean, I disagree. That's been 06 was not checkbook. If you have the 16th highest payroll in baseball, that's not checkbook. Well, no, but I would say that, and here's a, here's a point that I've tried to make before, too. The 06 team was maybe during that heyday from 06 to 14, if you want to count 14, which I think after with that pitching yep, staff. Yep. That heyday, 06 on paper might have been one of the two or three worst teams out of that whole heyday as far as talent. They caught lightning in a bottle, and it just worked for whatever reason. It was a good team, yep. but if you compare that team to 11, 12, 13, even 14, no. And those were yep. the teams that were bought and paid for much more than the 06 team. Especially the 06 team was great how they pieced that together, but if you stack up player, position by position that team against – I mean, the argument used to be back when they were in the World Series in 06, people were like, I wonder how this team compares to 84. Doesn't. <laughs> like, if you go position by position, the 06 team, they got hot, and I don't know how, but it was probably, it, it wouldn't even be top four of the most talented teams in that, that era. That pitching staff was so funny, the rotation in particular. I mean, Kenny Rogers, obviously the postseason, he was unworldly. He didn't, didn't all run. But, you know, just solid regular season. Bonderman, Nate Robertson. Rookie Verlander, who was good, I, obviously. He was good, but he wasn't great. But he wasn't like the Verlander. He was, you know, like a, a solid number three. I, I just think it's hilarious. The one distinction that they had that was legitimate from all those other teams that separated them positively, they had the number one bullpen ERA in baseball. Yeah. Yeah, they had a good bullpen. They never finished top like 12, 14 any other year since. I bet this year will be the exception. This year. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the first year that's the exception. Yeah. So that was the one. And I'm sorry, like, that does really matter. That I mean, that's well, that's clearly, a huge it, swing. Clearly, clearly, it matters. So I mean, it matters a lot. Yeah. I mean, going from the best bullpen to like the nineteenth. I mean, that's that's you're talking ten wins. I mean, it's it's massive. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not dogging Dabrowski at all. Um, but think, I'm very sensitive. Yeah, I, I clearly, to Dabrowski related issues. Clearly, 
By so, the way, they're having issues in Philadelphia right now, too. They're about to blow it under him there. Which is, uh, anyway, uh, he's good. And the trades, I mean, the, the, the trades that he swindled people out of, I mean, if you just go back and look, I mean, did he make, he made like one terrible move, trade, like the Alfredo Simon Suarez. Yeah. Maybe a couple others, but um, he did well with that. But he, you know, he, he got the checkbook. But you can get the checkbook. You still have to spend it wisely. You know, someone can give me a million dollars today and I could blow it, you know, and not spend it wisely. And um, he, he spent it more wisely than Avila did. Avila bought, Avila play, paid, you know, when he got the checkbook, he paid prime prices for not prime commodities. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, it, it's like having a media network in, in Michigan. You're starting, you got big budget, some rich guy founds it, and you're like, you know who I need? Braylon Edwards and Ryan Armani. I mean, you know, certain times uh, rich people make weird decisions that no one understands, and that's their prerogative. So I want to move into more positive waters here because I don't want to be a, a negative Nancy this whole time. The Scott Harris era is here in earnest. I think this was one of the greatest examples of salvation to misery in my lifetime, certainly in the Tigers fan context. I, it reminds me a little bit of the executive version of the Padre Rodriguez signing where you're coming off that miserable, embarrassing 0-3 year where you had miracle comebacks at the buzzer at, of that yeah. season. Literally Dude, down like five runs to the Twins. It was, it was like six or seven. Yeah. It was yeah. worse than five. Yeah, uh, yeah rallied to beat the Twins. They won like four of their last five to avoid that embarrassment. But this reminds me of that where you're at this low, low point and you're basically embarrassed and you hate your life as a fan to, holy shit, things just feel different. Pud Rodriguez, we've learned a little bit more about wins above replacement, all that shit, but it felt different immediately when he was signed. Whether it was legitimate or not, I think it was vindicated, but it just felt different. This feels different to me. The Tigers have hope among their fan base, legitimate hope, not the Tony Dombrowski iteration of hope where he always thinks things are going to work out. Your read on Scott Harris Am I overly jovial with this? I mean, I, am I exaggerating how big this is? No, I, I think it's a surprisingly great hire by Chris Hamlin. Shockingly. <laughs> I never saw it coming. And, he, but, and here's what's really impressive. And I don't know this for a fact. But how do you get Scott Harris? Okay, how does he get on Chris Illich's radar? Well... Who would be the best name out there to go hire, if you could, that everyone wanted? Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. Yeah. So clearly, clearly, Chris Illich made the call to Theo Epstein, who said, no, I'm done. You know, he's doing his thing with You that. think so? I, have, I honestly believe that's how this had to have started. Theory, I, you're not I, reporting this. I'm not reporting this. I don't know this for a fact. But if you think about it, how is that guy? Chris Illich ran this search. A.J. Hinch didn't know. Scott Harris, which everyone thought that A.J. Hinch was going to be involved in this, and he was, but everyone thought because of that, they'd get an A.J. Hinch guy, the Burns or whatever. I wanted Lou now. Bring yeah. him back from the yeah. graveyard. So that's, yeah, that exactly. I want, that's who he I wanted. Was a, he was a name that popped up right away that you thought, well. He, him or Harris were yeah, right, too. Exactly. So how does that happen? I honestly believe that Chris Illich said, we need a name and we're going to lose this fan base right now. I'm going to call Theo and see what he says. And Theo probably, and then again, speculation. I don't know this for a fact. 
Theo says, no, I'm not interested. Clearly, he doesn't want to get back into the game uh, as far as a GM or an executive. And he says, but I got this guy. That's the guy. And I believe that's how this started. Scott Harris's name wasn't on a ton of radars throughout this search process. It was kind of a surprise. It took the people in San Francisco by surprise. Um, I think it's an excellent hire. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's got success in Chicago. He was a big part of the World Series there. I mean, yeah, the Giants suck this year, but they're pretty good last year. I mean, 100 and how many wins? I mean, you yeah, know. Let's take it easy with the suck. They're like 500. Yeah. This they, is like, give me these problems. By, no, by, by the expectations. That's right? fine. You go by expectations, right? Fair. They haven't had the year that they should have had. Fair. But last year, 107 wins are the, you know, the Dodgers have won the division every other year. Um, I think this is a tremendous hire. And I think the best thing about this is that he gave up a really good job to come here. I mean, that's, I mean, yes, it's president of baseball operations. He's going to make more money. He's not making that. He's not making that move just because he's going to get paid a little bit more money. He clearly has assurances. He likes some of the things he sees and he's going to be able to do whatever the hell he wants. I think that Chris Illich, Chris Illich is out. Like he's not the president anymore. He's the CEO. Chris Illich is going to cut the checks. This guy's going to run the show. He's going to do whatever he wants. And I think that that's the most. I think that that's the most encouraging thing for Tiger fans. He gave up a really good job in San Francisco to come here. He's not doing that if he doesn't think this can succeed. I don't know how, how hands-on Chris Illich was to begin with. I mean, the guy was thrilled with the development of the prospects, even though they were. Literally all disappointing. He was the president of baseball. He was the president of the organization. And that's the interesting thing, too. By the way, when they fired Dabrowski, the president of GM, they didn't make Alavima the president and GM. They made him the GM, vice president GM. So, yeah. Um, the, I mean, this is clearly he's Chris Illich has basically turned the keys over within reason as far as finances to this guy. So you, go you, for it. You snuck in a line there. That I don't know if this has been reported or if you're reporting something. I didn't know that. You said a moment ago that it took the San Francisco brass by surprise when the Tigers hired him. Mm-hmm. What's that about? I haven't well, heard that. it didn't. I, I think it took him a little bit by surprise that he left. They knew that he obvi- they obviously let him interview because or talk to him. But I think it took a lot of people in San Francisco by surprise. Um, it took a lot of people in baseball by surprise. It's the Giants. It's a really good organization. It's the Tigers, a really bad organization right now. For the last several years, um, you're leaving a really good situation for uh, what many in baseball would consider a risk. And this guy talked about calculated risks. Uh, you know, when he talked about how he's going to make calculated risks with the roster this offseason right away. Um, he weighed it and, and took it. Like he could have talked to the team and not taken this job and been very comfortable for many years in San Francisco and done a great job. But he, he's, he's coming here, and I think that he, the fact he's took the job is, is encouraging in itself, just that, that he took the job. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think a key thing in when you're trying to measure your own uh, objectivity is to look at what people outside of your sphere are saying. And this example of the contrast between the league perception of Alvila, do you remember the Ken Rosenthal piece that came out this summer about Alvila? Multiple sources, major league sources saying, we don't think he's clever enough to navigate his way out of this. Clever? I thought that was an interesting term. Basically, Ken Rosenthal, completely responsibly, there was nothing wrong with the article. It was spot on, well reported. Shit on Alvila 
through the prism of the entire uh, rest of the league in terms of the executives and this guy's peers. The contrast between that and what we're seeing with the perception of Scott Harris, it is the most cavernous gap imaginable. Ben, can you throw up just a couple? I mean, there were many of these. Let's see what people are saying. Brandon Hyde, Baltimore Orioles manager, quote, I'm a huge Scott Harris fan. He's extremely bright, great with people, an unbelievable listener. He makes very good, thought-out decisions. That is a great hire. So basically the antithesis to Al Avila. What's Mr. Passon say, Ben? Let's see that one. Jeff Passon, top baseball reporter working right now. Quote, Scott Harris's rise in the industry has been meteoric. He is seen as a future front office star. So a couple months ago, we're reading these articles about how LV was essentially too stupid to get his way out of the hole he's dug. I mean, that that was a euphemism-laden article that was basically insulting the guy for 575 words. To this, where the top baseball reporter working today on the national level is saying that this guy is a future front office star, the perception of him is glowing, you got managers, we could have pulled 100 quotes. You went from one extreme to the other. I buy this hype. I wanted this guy so much, him or Luna. I was like a 1A, 1B. I was too embarrassed to even publicly say it because I thought it would be like those Tennessee fans that wanted John, John Gruden every year. I thought it was preposterous mm-hmm. to even suggest. I think this is legitimately a A-plus hire, and I think he's going to turn this thing around. And that's me. How many times have you sat with me and I'm the, the most negative person on the planet? So, I mean, am I completely gone that this guy has the ceiling, we haven't seen it yet, the ceiling of a top five baseball executive? Am I crazy? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, um, he was getting it done in San Francisco. I mean, yeah, again, not a great year this year, but I mean, I mean he, you know, he, yeah, he's, he's good. You're buying in. So you I'm buy, buy I'm you absolutely buy buying in. And, and, and it's not just those two quotes, but I mean, you, like you said, you could have pulled another hundred. Oh, you know, we mean, had the limit. I mean, could have gone the whole yeah, hour. You, yeah. You could have just done a scroll, um, for, you know, um, yeah, for the whole show. I mean, everyone. And, and the one thing that Brandon Hyde said that I think that the people I talked to, including, I talked to Gabe Kapler the day, the morning of Harris's press conference, Kapler, of course, the Giants manager. Um, and he brought up, and he mentioned it three or four times to me, the listening. This guy wants opinion. Okay. He wants everyone's opinions. Now, he wants the opinions of his trusted advisors, right? Um, and uh, those he will find his trusted advisors eventually. I don't think the front office is going to remain exactly how it is. He's going to hire a GM. I assume that Menzen might be up for that job, and Satori is probably going to stay. But I think there's going to be some changes in the front office below that. But he listens. He wants. He just wants to soak in as much information, um, and then he'll make his decisions. Where I think that um, I, I think that previous administrations here have been, you know, pretty. Uh, you know, I'm going to make this. This this is what we're going to do. You know, this is the moves I'm going to make. And I don't think there was necessarily the the connect from the front office down to the field. Um, you know, you've heard stories over the years of the analytics that they tried to push and give to the field managers and. You know, Jim Leon wasn't a big fan. Right, the garbage man. <laughs> Jim Leon wasn't a big fan. And I think that under Hinch, I think there's been that a lot of that information hasn't been flowing from up top down. I think there's still been a disconnect there. So, um, look, I think who knows how this is going to work out. You know, 
maybe the Tigers are so far gone that it's going to take another five, ten years. I, you know, I don't believe that's the case. Who knows though? We don't know. Um, but uh, I think there's reason. I think that there's reason to be optimistic. If you go hire Burn, all right, that's not a reason to be optimistic, right? I mean, he's flamed out twice. You know, I mean, but you know, you know, that was the fear because he knows AJ Hint, right? That was the thing. AJ, it's going to be a guy that AJ knows, and that's why Lou now was. Like the one off the top of the head, you know, AJ's back in the game. Why isn't Luno? Luno would have been good. Yeah. Um, I guess he's running. He he's running like a soccer, soccer team. team. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with nothing, soccer, nothing, but... <laughs> nothing shady about soccer. No. That's totally on the up and up. No, but yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, but uh, Burns would have been, and everyone was talking about Burns, and Burns would have been the, uh, you know. But this is, honestly, think about how Chris Illich was put in touch with Scott Harris. Think about it. Like, I don't think that Chris Illich started this search. Knowing who Scott Harris was. Well, no, okay. Chris Illich really, doesn't know people that are in his own organization. But I bet he, but I'm sure that Chris Illich knows who Theo Epstein is. Yeah, but and you I look think at, that, I think that honestly, that's where it started. And that's great. And, you know, anybody from the Theo Epstein tree is going to have credibility. So. I'm with you on all that. But look at all the, the, the quotes we talked about it. I think you could have gotten Harris's number without personally reaching out to Epstein. They actually no, made a I, play I, to get I, Epstein, which I know is a theory. You have to call him. You have to. If you're Chris Illich, you have to call Theo because you know that you need to please the Tiger fan. You need to hit a home run with this hire. And Theo Epstein is the name that everyone comes to mind when any free agent or any front office opening. So you have to make that call. Okay, but you also had to fire Al Avila every year for the last three years and didn't. You also had to sign Justin Verlander because it was the most obvious home run signing ever, and they didn't do that. I'm not giving Chris Illich any benefit of the doubt leading up to this hire. He's starting to buy a little credibility now. I was talking to my dear friend and a mutual friend of ours, Chris Castellani, about this. And I, I want to give him credit because this was his idea or his thought, not mine. But I thought it was interesting. And I'm paraphrasing Chris, but he suggested that this may have been Chris Illich's Mike Illich moment. Where Mike Illich, people forget, if you're younger, quite a bit younger than me, certainly you know, younger than you, Mike Illich was considered cheap. I mean, Greg Henson had, you know, the Pizza Man song oh, parodies. Terrible. This whole, like, Mike Illich is spending like crazy thing. That, like, if you're 24, that's what you think. That was not Mike Illich. He was considered, I would say, arguably more reviled from the baseball side, not hockey, than his son was. And then it flipped. He got so embarrassed was the theory by 03 and then signs Pudge with his lumbar spine issues. Well, and it worked out. not necessarily. He got a stadium. Got a stadium. Okay. That's, and he basically the Juan Gonzalez. He basically held he basically kind of in a way held the city hostage for a stadium. He wanted the new shiny object, sweet and the revenue producing, and then showed some signs of sight. So that's where I think it Yeah. Their payroll but was, that was their eight, payroll was low in O two. No, it was low, but they but they offered Juan Gonzalez how much money? I mean they were they were making a play for eight years. You know, which back then I mean, it'd be like five hundred million now. He, he didn't sign because it's a horseshit ballpark. So. Yeah, well, He's a horseshit businessman. Because, Which, by the way, they might find him be bringing he, in offenses. He signed one year with Cleveland after that for like 12 or 14 or had something. had a great year. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Great year. He only had one more good year. Yeah. Then the Roy, he went to the Royals. Yeah. He's, yeah. He yeah. went back to the Rangers. He's What an idiot. Him and his nine wives. Imagine if he would have signed. What, what, the, the Joseph Smith of baseball. <laughs> multiple wives. Who knows if those divorces were even finalized before he was on yeah. to the next one. I digress. Right. But when he got the stadium was when he, well, he wanted, whatever he wanted that stadium. That and I think okay. he, I think he kind of, uh, he wasn't gonna, you know, he basically demanded that. 
Well, yeah, John McHale's bow tie did a great job. I think America Park's underrated. It's very underrated. But whatever you think of you know, was stadium, whatever, but for he was some he was reason for a long time. He had the moment. Yeah. Whatever you attribute it to. Is this Chris Illich's moment? Because you could argue the AJ Hinch hiring was the Mike Illich moment. And we all saw how that worked out. Mm-hmm. They they went the cheapest, best option in free agency. They had no interest in Verlander at the price, even though he was obviously, in my opinion, worth it. I've been fooled once is what I'm telling you. Is this, in your mind, the Mike Illich moment for the son, Chris? Is this a new owner going forward? Well, I think that the Hinch, I don't think, I don't think you, I think his first big moment was Hinch. Uh, I don't think you can undervalue that. And I think that that's going to, if this is going to succeed, it's going to be, it's going to succeed with AJ Hinch. Um, So that was a big one. And that took some guts. I mean, you know, I mean, not from my perspective. I mean, I would have hired him in a second, but, you know, the perceptive perception from a lot of people is you're hiring a guy who got suspended for a year. And, you know, that was the first call that they made. And so that was that was a big one. But this is this is big. And I think that because this goes so against what this team has has had, I mean, baseball has become a. Baseball front office has become a, a young man's business in a lot of ways, and uh, you don't need to sit around for 25 years to get your shot. And they, they went and got a, the rising star in the game to leave a really good situation in San Francisco. Yeah, this is a, it's a fantastic hire. If, and if, he gives this, if we give Scott Harris the keys and says, here you go, it's yours, which I assume that Scott Harris wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. I think this could work out, and I think it could work out in relatively short order, depending on you know the changes he made. Which, if you listen to the press conference, he didn't use the word rebuild, he didn't use the word patience, didn't give any timetables, but he made it pretty clear that the moves are going to start really quick on the roster and this off season. And I like that he said calculated risk. You know, I mean, they're going to you know you could see some trades that are going to maybe surprise you, and uh, you know, I think you uh, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see how quickly. He tears this thing down. This thing has been dead for so long. The, Je- the Jeff Passan tweet announcing the hiring of Scott Harris. I mean, that blindsided me like an orgasmic two by four. I had no idea that was even a possibility. It was no, not even a fringe theory of it being real. It happens. I'm doing cartwheels right past the streets of Lafayette and all the rats that I are dancing in the alley. The press count. I was already amped. I was already excited. I was already ecstatic. I could not believe what they had. The press conference ramped it up even phenomenal. more. It was. Play that. Sorry. Give me a snippet, and then I want to get your read on this. Ben, can, we, can we throw up that uh, press conference video? We need to acquire, uh, develop, and retain young players. It's not a unique strategy. Most organizations in baseball are trying to do that, but it's exceptionally important for us, and we need to absolutely lean into that over the next few years. The second thing is the best organizations in baseball right now are not only acquiring that talent, they're getting the absolute most out of that talent when they get into the organization. How excited would we be if... Yeah, so, I mean, you you get a dose there. I mean, aside the fact that, like, I don't know how... We're going to have him and Evan Petzold in the same room for the next like 10 years. There's just too much attractiveness in one spot. <laughs> but that aside, 
I mean, how polished. He said everything you want to hear from a baseball executive if you are a forward-thinking baseball guy, right? I mean, that was a home-run press conference for whatever that's worth, maybe nothing. Yeah, I mean, you can't put much stock in it um, because we've seen, you know, there's been a lot of home-run press conferences over the years. You know, Jim Schwartz, Dirty Hoke, you name it. You know, there's been great press conferences that people rave about that. So you can't take much from it, but the way he broke things down and explained things um, on his philosophies, I mean, it was almost like, um, it was almost like he was selling himself to the fans in a lot of ways. And I think maybe he thought he needed to do that to, you know, because, you know, I don't think that the casual baseball fan knew, knew who Scott Harris was. Um, so I, I, it was, it was an exceptionally well done. And, um, the fact that he, you know, just, he, he made it clear that things are going to change in a hurry. Now, I don't know what that means. I mean, you look at the roster, they've got some issues. Um, and who they get rid of and, and whatnot and how they get this young talent that he wants. But uh, you could tell that uh, they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be a better drafting team and I think they're going to be a better trading team. And that was the thing like Avila got, and you know, that was what sunk Avila is he got nothing for the rebuild. I mean, you know, when you started to rebuild, you got nothing in return. And, uh, uh, and some people defend Avila and say, well, the market was different when he was making those trades. I, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I don't buy that you can't get anything for Justin Verlander. I don't buy that you can't get anything for J.D. Martinez. This is top five pitchers and hitters in baseball at that time, and you couldn't get anything for them. So um, I, I'm not one of those people that defends on that. I think that that's where things sunk, and I think that, um, I think that this guy's going to be more aggressive than Avila was. I think that Avila was a little timid um, when he finally got the to run the show um, and uh, it bit him. And uh, I think that this guy is going to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think honestly, if, uh, if he's given a little bit of money and can make some trades, he's going to make the trades. He's going to, you know, I think there's going to be some people maybe were just released um, and he's given a little bit of money that I think this thing could turn around in a hurry. Um, relatively speaking next year or two. They have that potential yeah. certainly with, with proper leadership. I mean, I, someone, I don't know if it was the free press, if it had been you with the news, somebody wrote an article like a year or two ago, like every single Alvila trade other than the very minor cash considerations for a single A guy. That was you. It included every one of those minors. <laughs> did it? I, I went it was through the whole, 20. maybe it was. I went through the whole, every movie ever. I love that it was you. So I don't remember <laughs> the exact conclusion, but I remember it was like loss, loss, loss. Push maybe lost. It was like, bad. Like there wasn't a single like. Oh, he smoked his opposing GM on that one. Like Dabrowski had those every time he woke up. It's just the, the contrast. I don't even need him to be just destroying his competition on every trade. Like Dabrowski, it'd be nice, but whatever. But it's been so bad. I love what they have in place here. And look, I have been called by your colleague Justin Rod, the king of hyperbole. In both directions, too positive, too negative. He thinks I'm always too hyperbolic. I made the argument about a week or so ago that if you have an A-plus baseball executive, GM, president, whoever your top guy is, that is worth at least as much as multiple marquee free agents. The example would be if the Tigers, let's say they were both free agents next year, signed Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and how excited we would be. We had this discussion. On Twitter spaces, myself, Chris Castellani, Adam Badoon, great guy, and Anthony Broom. 
I'm going to play. This is a rare time where I'm going to quote myself, but I want to. I want to just play this little clip for you. You're like Dorn in Major League. You're activating yourself. I'm activating myself <laughs> for 30 too early seconds for a Roger Dorn day. But I just. I this was. But this is the discussion we were having. I want you to listen to this and tell me if I am doing the Justin Rogers King of Hyperbole routine. Let's run that. I, how excited would we be if? Otani and Trout were both free agents, or Otani and pick your guy were both free agents, and we signed both of them in the same day. Uh, like we would be bouncing off the walls with excitement, but we all just agreed that a really, really good president of baseball ops is more important than if that happened. Now yeah. we don't know for a fact that Harris is that, but there is very good reason to believe that that's the ceiling, and <laughs> that is why I'm ecstatic. Off the reservation or somewhat accurate, that that is the type of impact we're talking about <laughs> if he is as good as we think he right. can be. No, that's, a, of course, a baseball executive is huge. I mean, look at, I mean, you just need to look at the Tampa Bay rate. How do they compete every single year with nothing? You know, they, you know, the Oakland A's over the years. I mean, I, they're doing it because they have very smart people who see value in people that other people don't. And so they're finding bargains. So, no, that's huge. That's absolutely massive. Um, I think it's, I think, you know, they say what? They say a manager could be worth, a good manager could be worth four or five wins a year. You know, I think an executive would probably trump that. I mean, obviously. I oh, mean, I can't, I mean, you know, it's your whole win loss record. Yeah. They built the team. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, you know, find, again, it's just finding value in uh, baseball is the hardest sport. I'll, I'll, you know, hockey may be number two, uh, but I think baseball is the hardest sport in, identifying and projecting major league talent, you know, I mean, you see it. I mean, you see like Aaron judge at the 61st home run yesterday. You look and he's 32nd pick, you know, you got 31, 30 teams that, or 29 teams that passed on, it. you know, the guy's a stud, including the Yankees, by the way, they actually drafted a guy before him. Yep. Uh, you know, so they even passed on Aaron judge, you know, so it's just, I mean, you look at Mike Piazza. What was he? I'm, oh, he's know, like 43rd. I mean, I mean, and he's in the hall of fame, you know, or, you know, I mean, it's just, it's that's that's what you need to do. I mean, it's just a hard sport to identify talent, and the Tigers have lacked identifying talent for several years now, and it's shown. It's been brutal. I mean, part of by the way, I just want to go back to that Avio piece. That was last year. I did that piece. It took me a long time, but I actually met with him. I gave him a chance to tell me about all these moves. We sat down for like an hour and a half. Oh, I didn't know this part. He and and he tried, you know, and he would explain, you know, he, he admitted some shit. Um, but again, he goes goes back to the market wasn't there for this guy, oh, that guy, that up. guy, and I just don't, I just don't buy that. I don't. He's buy the that. only one. Every so everybody made bad trades during his entire five year tenure. You laid out an entire article. Was that pisses me off? Don't get me going on Al Avila again. He's that's well, what he said. Knew, by the way, because he's explained this in public. You know, he said that about you know JD and oh, Justin and whatever. Get the hell out of here, Al. Their top five players at the time that you dealt them, and I don't care if they're free agents in two months. You still, you know, you have to if you're going to rebuild and you've got all these great pieces to rebuild with that to trade away. You got to do better. And they, I mean, who did they get? Even they get? smaller moves. Like they the, got the, be the best movie made was trading his own son for Candelario. But even the Yankees with like Matt Carpenter, who they re resuscitated him. Now he got hurt and stuff. But he was carrying them for two months. I, this is like this is insane. It, like, so if your argument is, oh, the market was bad, that's why all my trades are bad. 
Why are other GMs making good trades in this perilous market? Like, sh- shut up, Al. Sorry. I, I, think, I feel like I spoke over you, but you uh-huh. sat with Al about that article? We, I, I wanted to give him a chance because I was coming out with this article and it was going to be on the front page. And basically the, the moral or the, you know, the thesis or the conclusion was you're out of time. Like, here's why, you know, here's all these moves. I went through every move. I went through. Every small move, every people that you can't remember that ever played baseball. I mean, uh, I went through every move and I didn't want to write. I didn't want to publish the article uh, without at least giving, you know, I, it was analysis. So it was my take, but I didn't want to publish it without giving him a chance to respond. And so we sat down and I asked him about all the moves and uh, he explained certain things with, with this move, that move. And, um, you know, it's something he admitted were shit, you know, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to give him a chance to speak. I yeah. can't imagine being in like the, the cone of focus as a writer for that piece. Like I can just picture you having like soft cello music playing in the background, <laughs> like this melancholy. I, I don't the fact that you even did that. Cause I remember the article. I forgot that you had written it, but I can't, I don't, I don't want to tell Al. I, the fact that he's defending it based on Mark. No, he's done that in public though. I mean, he said that I'm not saying, yeah, but not in the context of, Hey, why does everything you touch turn to shit? That's a little bit different. Someone asking him about, JD, hey, what happened there? Verlander, that's like, okay, you know, sort of a la carte. For him to have that entire uh, sort of encompassing take on his legacy is just, that's delusional. Yeah, I, like I said, he, you know, there were certain moves that he said, that, you know, that he defended and certain moves he, you know, there were other moves he didn't. Do you think he goes to bed like knowing that he's bad? Like it was bad at his job, I mean? Uh, I think he's probably uh, taken, definitely taken a hit and I'm sure it doesn't sit well with him. I mean, and here's, this guy was is was well respected in baseball for a long, long time. You know, you talk about the article Ken Rosenthal wrote, which is great. Rosenthal, you call Jeff Passan the best. I still think Rosenthal's the best. But you putting well, Rosenthal black man Twitter, so he got down. He's so good though, and uh, yeah. but they both are. But anyway, um, you t- you know that article where you know people are questioning Al Vila. I mean, he was Nebraska's right hand man, and he had a lot of respect in in, in baseball. And it's just uh, his legacy is. Uh, is what it is. It's it's bad. It's it's a it's a bad era of Tiger baseball. I I mean, you attribute so much of those Dombrowski moves to Alvila. It's getting hard to believe that the second Dombrowski leaves, you went from a ninety four percent hit rate on your trades to practically zero. I well, think. I mean, look, Dombrowski, did he forget how to make transactions? I, I just well, I think it's I don't know when you're the when you're the guy in the chair, maybe it's it's just different. But he wasn't aggressive like Dombrowski was. And that, that was yeah. a big difference. And that's what I really like about Scott Harris is coming in. He's not saying we're going to methodically work this thing. We're going to we're going to go piece by piece. And no. no, he's like, we're going to take risks. And, oh. and, you know, I think that's big. And I think you have to take risks. You, you, you take risks and, uh, you know, some work, some don't. But, uh, you know, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. You think Scott Harris makes a trade for Jonathan Papelbon when he was a top five relief pitcher on the market or on a planet and he was on the market and your bullpen sucked? The Tigers didn't make a bid, even though you could have had him for almost nothing. I think Scott Harris makes that trade. I think Scott Harris probably makes an Andrew Miller trade. We've already talked about that. Andrew Miller trade was that should have absolutely happened. Yeah, what what are you doing? Like the fact that the Tigers had the best rotation, the best lineup, and like just decided to go at it with a shitty bullpen. Yeah, 2013 was the best team they had. You can oh yeah, you can't convince me. I mean, they they made the World Series in six. They made the World Series in twelve. Thirteen was the best team they had by far. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. David Ortiz singles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I still just remember before that fateful pitch, just 
give him nothing to hit. I'll go get Mike Napoli. Like, fucking walk him. I don't care. Like, well, well, I'll, I'll take the bases loaded. We're up by three runs, and it's Napoli. Hey, not going to let this fucking guy, the best clutch hitter of arguably all time, certainly this generation, beat you on one swing. He throws a fucking meatball right over it. God almighty. Okay. So what- it wasn't a good pitch. It wasn't a good pitch. I'll go to war with Benoit over Phil Coke, though. Oh, yeah. Well, how about a lot of people? Uh, a lot of people remember how angry they were that we didn't pitch Phil Coke? Well, are I was not. Are you kidding list. me? <laughs> what about what about when um, Drew Smiley had Jacoby Ellsbury down one, two in the count and then walked yep. him on the next three yep. pitches to get yep. that inning going? It's like, thanks, Drew. Like, yep. they, like one, two count. It's one thing if you're following just, off a bunch just, of pitches. Just win game two, man. Win game two, and I think it's all yours. And do you realize how big that four-run lead felt when they had the Red Sox had like two hits in seventeen innings? Yeah, I know, I know. There was like a no-hitter through six. There's no hitter watch every night. Uh, yeah, I do take the blame for that loss actually because my buddy James and I were at the team hotel in Boston buying Benoit and Anibal Sanchez uh, drinks at the bar, and I mean Sanchez obviously had pitched fantastic in Game One, but we were buying. Johnny Walker's for Joaquin Benoit the night before he gave up the worst home run ever. Oh, shit, so. man. I didn't know that. It's all your freaking fault, there's man. You blood ruined, on my hands, actually. You ruined an era of Tiger baseball. Yeah, I did. That was my bad, actually. So, um, anyway, <laughs> looking ahead to 2023, enthusiasm aside, because I said we were fooled on AJ Hinch, or at least I was. Not that he's bad, but I mean, fooled on what it meant and what the win loss total would be with him here. I am curious for your perception on 2023. Now, we know this is a rebuild on top of a rebuild, but what does next year look like? Because I think you're putting on way too much pressure for Scott Harris to say, oh, this team's going to win 92 games. No, I don't think so. What what is sort of a reasonable look ahead to 2023, not just in terms of record, but like how do you see him trying to reshape this roster just in year one? Well, he's... Uh, he's got some big decisions to make. I mean, if you look at the, uh, you know, the offense was atrocious um, this year. I mean, you look ar- across the entire diamond and, and who is a uh, cornerstone that you want to keep. Not, not a ton of them. I mean, Riley Green. Um, you know, you get Austin Meadows back. I think that'll be good. I mean, I don't think he's terrible. Um, you know, I think Torkelson will be fine. Um, you know, but then you got, you know, what's Candelario? What's Baez? You know, Scope. Why is he on the team? I mean, he's had a great year defensively. That's fine. But you weren't, you didn't sign him to be a defensive, you know, wizard. Um, so he's got some decisions to make on some of the veterans. And, um, you know, there's a free agency and we'll see. I think they're going to spend a little bit this offseason. They spent a quarter billion last offseason. I don't think they're going to do that this year. Uh, go, go get Otani. Why not? <laughs> How, how give him the it? team. Give him the minor leagues. Ben, Take the minor leagues and just throw get on time. Ben, let's manifest it right now. You know what I'm talking about, Ben. Throw up the picture if you can. I'm a, let's manifest it. There it is. Let's put it into the universe. Let's be those crazy people that thought the Tigers were going to sign Mike Mussina in 2000 when the Yankees paid $200 million more than we would have. Aaron Judge. Something like that. Now, that's insane. I guess. That's $500 million. That's insane. That's a lot. That's fine. But I'm just saying, look, you know what? Even after it happened, everyone said, oh, Prince Fielder thing's insane. Even after it happened, Pud Rodriguez, he's never going there. We, we couldn't believe it. Now, this is a whole other stratosphere. Right. I admit right. that. Right. Take a step down from that, whatever. I mean, name your pick. Is it even somewhat plausible? I won't even hold you to a name. Pick a trade, pick a free agent, whatever. Is it somewhat plausible that this offseason, 
in the spirit of the, I'm having my Mike Gillich moment for Chris Illich, that we see something even close to that Aaron Judge thing where we're like, holy fucking shit, or is this going to be more kind of linear and slow bill? What do you see there? Uh, I think it's possible. Um, it's in play. I, I think it's in play. I think that they. I think the money's the money's there. I mean, again, this team's still in pretty good financial shape as far as payroll. I mean, they've got. They've still. Got, they're only 18th. Um, I don't think this team will ever be a top five payroll again. Not while Chris Illich is the owner. Um, but I think they can get to 10th and 9th or 10th. Uh, exactly, and they're 18th after spending a quarter billion dollars. So there, there's clearly some money still there. Um, you know, uh, I think that uh, I think that it's there, and so yeah, I think that there's a possibility. Now it's just a matter if uh, you know the players on the market this offseason are guys that fit with Scott Harris's, or if he thinks that it's best to you know make some more shrewd moves this offseason to make the big ones next. You know, it's going to depend on the players available, but. Man, imagine how this conference would go crazy. You know, you got the, te- the Angels are selling. <laughs> they, yeah. So they would like to get their books, you know, a little bit. And what they 100%. could get what they could get for Otani. You know, they've had Otani and, and Trout and, and haven't done anything with them. Uh, waste. I mean, um, you know, that would be fun. They, they have Mickey fix Mantle two problems. You fix, two, you fix your offense and your pitching staff in one. I mean, that would be fascinating. Oh, you, you, you think they're going to go for both of them? I, you, who, who are you going to have left? What's Otani have? Because Trout's got like eight years left. What's Otani have? Like two years left? Yeah. It, it's not, he's not a free agent yet, but he's not like five years away. No, yet. but it's like, and he's not overly paid, exa- you know, compared to what he could be making. And um, I think that, you know, there's rumblings that they'll listen. I, I saw a list the other day. Somebody put out teams that would be in play for him. Tigers weren't on the list, but, you know, who knows if the Tigers have what the Angels want to get them. Maybe they don't, you know. Maybe, what about Verlander? Yeah. Verlander's opting out. That's that's a given. I think. he's he's out. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I think he likes it in Houston, and uh, I think that the Tigers missed their missed their window with that. I think that they didn't make a call. And I told you, and I, and I'll stand by this. I mean, I was you know, I was told the day they traded Justin Verlander by a Tigers person that they were they wanted to bring him back. You know, twenty twenty two was the target year, and he got Tommy John, and they freaked out that. Totally, you know, ended those plays. They didn't even call. Look at this guy, man. He's a I, freak. And we went over this last time I was here. Yeah. He is a freak. Would you be interested in signing any good pitcher that's had Tommy John? Maybe not. Dustin Verlander is a physical freak. You and I laid it out no. with the Tommy John guys at past 35. We said the only one to do it was R.A. Dickey was throwing junk knuckleballs. Mm-hmm. And even with that knowledge, you and I said, it's on tape. You and I were both like, oh, I don't give a shit. That guy's mm-hmm. going to be great. He pulled the tape from the last no, 40 he's, balls. He's, he's Nolan Ryan. I yeah. mean, he's a physical freak. He's, he's probably going to be doing this. He's Tom Brady. He's going to be doing this for another three, four, five years. So you said they didn't call. I Verlander they, said they didn't call. They, they Verlander didn't call. said they didn't call. They didn't call. They didn't call. But they had a back channel inquiry. And we can talk a little bit more about it. It was off the air, but they weren't interested in the number. Chris Illich said the exact quote was, we're not in the business or I'm not in the business of paying 39-year-old pitchers off surgery, that kind of money. That was what he was telling his little inner circle. So good call on that one, because look at what he's done this year. I think he'll probably be great next year, too. I just That guy's going to go. You said Tom Brady. He seems like that. He'll be 43 and still good. He's there's no sign of slowing well, up. You know, earlier, you talked about how you know how hands on was Chris Illich, and if if that's correct, then that's pretty hands on. 
And now I think he's getting rid of that altogether. I think wow. he's turning this over, and I think that's obviously a very good thing. Chris Illich is not a baseball expert. And uh, the fact that he's turning this completely over, and I truly believe that, uh, I think anything is possible. Now, you know, the question is, if they, are they, do, they have the, do they have the resources and the people that would, you know, to make these trades? I'm not sure they have that. Maybe I, I they mean, do. But they, they have the money to spend more money. I mean, you know, you, you, you're still on the 18th in payroll. The free agent class is pretty sick. If not you, bad. If, let's, well, you're not getting Aaron. I don't think you're getting Aaron. Well, you know what? The Aaron Judge contract, wherever he lands, is probably going to be a complete Oh, it's not going to be good. It's $500 million. Dollars. It's not going to be good. He'll be great for like three or, three or four years, and then you're going to have like a six-foot-eight outfielder making $45 million but. a year. The Tigers are thinking of moving the fences in. So who knows? Maybe they maybe they're doing this to attract somebody. Look, here's that the, seems like it's happening. Here's the argument why it's not complete insanity. Just from a number standpoint, forget the, the optics or the names. Just let's do math. Cabrera is what, 32 million? 32 million. Falls off that's after it, this, that's year. this year. Yeah. You could pay Aaron Judge $42 million a year. Which is a, I mean, for one year you're high, but after one more year, your team payroll is only ten million dollars higher. If you, that's paying them forty-two, that's that's other than Scherzer, nobody makes that. I don't. I think that'd be the number one position player salary. Forty-two million dollars a year, ten-year deal, blow it out. You're only ten million dollars higher than you are right now with Cabrera by year two, and your if payrolls just say, let's say they stay stagnant, that'd be like the fifteenth highest payroll. So you could literally sign Aaron Judge to a highest paid, more than trout position paid player in, in the sport and still have a league average payroll. That's a mathematical fact. Is that not somewhat a fair argument for whether it's Judge or you know, trade like a sign and trade for Otani, you trade for him, but you do a seven-year extension on condition? There's some argument where they could blow somebody out, $45 million, $13 million more. Okay, you had the 14th highest payroll. I mean, come on. Am I crazy? They could do it they if could, they wanted. They could, sure, they could do it. Sure, it, they could do it. Could, but not. it's not out of the realm of mathematical no, no, financial no, it, possibility. It's not. And he. And again, I, I believe that Scott Harris took this job with the assurances that he will have the resources to make this team a winner. And that's not just trading and being great at drafting and great at finding talent, but also spending money. Um, and uh, so, yeah, could they? Sure. You know, but what we don't know is that that's Scott Harris's mo, if he or if he's a guy that uh, prefers to not tie up that much in one player and spread it around, and maybe find the bargains and and the the value, I guess, that we don't see necessarily because we're not baseball experts. I'm fine with that because you got somebody actually intelligent shopping for the groceries. Mm. So if he wants to go sign three guys at an average of 14. Mm. I'm cool with him doing right, it. Right, right. Like Mike, Pel- Mike, Mike, Mike Pelfrey's probably not going to be one of them. So, you know. You like, rattled off those names, Zimmerman, Pelfrey. Well, by the way, check my Twitter receipt. I was destroying those signings in real time, especially Pelfrey and Lowe. Remember how good Zimmerman was that first month? April, was AL so Picture of the Month. <laughs> so good. And I was. And then nothing. <laughs> and the one person in media that really, I mean, we were tepid maybe across. No one was like doing cartwheels. No. But the one person because in media. Because he replaced Scherzer. I mean, well, no one right. was, no was going to It's all relative. Be. And that was another, that was the Sergey Fedorov baseball version yep. for Mike Illich, where it's like, oh, I was disrespected. You, you pissed me off. Yeah. Goodbye. Even though you had a number that was within your budget that they're ready to sign right now, but you felt disrespected. So mm-hmm. go take a hike. I think Scherzer won that. 
By the way, I, I hate to cut you off, but what if the Tigers never rebuilt? What if they kept J.D. Martinez? What if they kept Justin Verlander? What if they kept year. Max Scherzer? I mean, all these, the rebuild, and these guys are out there shoving it down people's throats still, you know? I I mean, what if they never that. rebuilt? And everyone was like, oh, they got to rebuild. And they probably did. But what if they never rebuilt? It, I'd be fascinated to see where this team would be. It was fun watching like all those guys get rings elsewhere the second they left. Like Kinsler won, J.D. Oh, Rick Porcello, Lander, Porcello won a Cy Young. Porcello won the Cy Young, which is still, I mean, he deserved it that year. Every other year. He's yeah, he, shit. What did he beat Verlander? He beat Verlander for that, didn't he's he? He's out of baseball two years later. So that, that's one of those weird kind of magical years. And you know, they gave him a lot of run support. So he won like, 19 games, which dressed up the numbers even more. But whatever. Yeah. I look, I, I, I am optimistic. And whether it is in the form of Aaron Judge, which is probably insane, but we've been shocked before, or three sort of moderate pieces. I just, I like the guy who's shopping for the groceries now. I'm just saying, you know, again, cast the Aaron Judge name out of it. That type of stratosphere where you are signing a top five, top seven, whatever player in baseball, you could have a guy that's, you know, like a Soto two years away from free agency that thought that. He's rejecting offers from his incumbent team, and they trade him because they they're not going to pay up. You know, maybe like well, we saw with Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, you know, in a way, like do something like that. It doesn't have to be a free agent, but that type of commitment you can make that today, mm-hmm. and by year two, just three hundred and sixty-five and some change days from right now, you would still have like the fifteenth highest payroll, fourteen, fifteen. But that's not insane. No, it could happen. If we if they wanted it, no, I, I I think it could. Again, it's just a matter of his philosophy and if that's the way he wants to go. But absolutely, I mean, they could, they have the resources to do it. I mean, they're gonna get. I mean, they're getting more TV money. I mean, they're, they're not they're not hurting. Okay, so yeah, they could absolutely do it. And again, he, he's here because he's been told this is your ship, and it's and Illich is is passing it off. And uh, I think what's gonna be fun is that it's gonna be an active offseason. And I, and there will be surprises, and I think that that's kind of interesting. Go get Carlos Correa. Move by, move by as the second base. You know, you wanted Carlos Correa last year. Carlos Correa is opting out. He's had a huge last month and a half. He's leaving the Twins. Go get him. You know, he's another guy you could get. So elite defensive shortstop too, which like nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. Guys argue, well, no, no, he's a top five defensive shortstop too. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I love Correa just just for that aspect alone. I just think. Come opening day, I want to – I'm going to trust the process anyway because I love the GM. I'm back in. I just want to have something where we're like, we're actually excited. Mm-hmm. Whatever form it takes, three or four moderate signings. I wanted Kyle Schwarber last year, whatever. I, I just want to have some real juice on the field again, not just in the runoff. But big picture, this was a home run. I am on board with all four GMs in this town, which is like, yeah, it's, what the fuck? It's pretty, it's pretty crazy how – the town, it, I mean, there's just, I mean, there's nothing, no playoffs, nothing for all this long time, and yet everyone's so stoked about who's in place. I think all four I GMs. Think, I think it's fascinating. Coaches more hit or miss, but yeah. GMs. Well, people say too, Chris Illich, oh, he's, he signed another good GM. Well, he had to, he was, he had to do Eiserman. He had to do Eiserman. He gets no credit for Eiserman. No, I mean, Eiserman had to happen. Yeah. So yeah. this one, I think, caught me by surprise and in, in, in a pleasant way um, for Tiger fans. I think that, um, it's it's going to be interesting who what the product they put on the field to start next year. I think 2024 is a good chance. I think, they get, again, you listen to them. 
didn't use the word rebuild, didn't use the word patience. He wants to win now. And, uh, and I think when you t- get a guy who's uh, this intelligent and uh, can move the chess pieces and get, and get the new pieces, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be, I don't know that we'll recognize the, the opening day lineup next year. I'm hoping the question so, is what, my God. the one question is the, the Cabrera conundrum. I don't know how he's going to handle that. That's where I was going to finish. It's a hard. With that's a hard, hard thing. Because hard, that hard that's thing. okay. We don't know. Right. It's, there's no way to know. Right. But if you're Scott Harris, don't you find yourself in this balancing act? And by the way, anything else, Chris Illich maybe hands off casting Cabrera out in any form. That's an he ownership. Will, oh, level. he will have to. Yeah, he would have to sign off. You, that. Yeah, right. That, that's like the one roster exception. I, I believe you that he has carte blanche, except for right. that. That no, is that. an ownership level decision. If you're Scott Harris and you're just an analytical, smart guy, sure, he's, I'm sure he's a decent guy and he understands the human element of this. You got to have him coming off the bench or not on the roster. If Miguel right? Cabrera wants to be on the roster next year, Miguel Cabrera will be on the roster. I agree. Um, now, we don't know. I mean, if Miguel wants to, I mean, he, there were mixed reports, you know, back to back days. One day he's thinking about retiring and the next day he's he not pull, the next day he pulls McCoskey. Clearly Miguel's agent called him and he, next day he pulls McCoskey aside and says, oh, I, I'm not retiring, you know? So, um, I think, yeah, if he wants to be here, look, he's a legacy guy. Um, I mean, they're going to be Miguel Cabrera jerseys in the stands of, of Comerica Park or whatever their next ballpark is yep. long after we're gone. Um, uh, what he did for this organization, I mean, he has to. I mean, I think he would at this point. I think he'd accept coming off the bench and starting every two or three days at DH or whatnot. I mean, he, I think he, I think he kind of accepted his role. He always remember he always wanted to play first base. You know, he never wanted yep. to DH, and he kind of accepted. And he, he got all these days off down the stretch. You know, he's kind of accepted where he is. Um, so if he, he's, he's got to be there. Um, and. Uh, if he wants to be back. So yeah, and he was asked about it, you know, what do you do with Miguel Cabrera? And he's like, well, I'd have to sit down and talk with Miguel. I just don't, Miguel wants to be back. Be back. You know, I, it's I, gonna be, now Miguel's not going to do it because for a farewell tour, it's not him. He doesn't, he's not a big guy in the public spotlight, you know, like David Ortiz wanted to get all these, you know, free gifts. of every, every Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Miguel doesn't want that. So, I mean, he doesn't need a farewell tour. Um, and who knows? I mean, he might just, you know, he might wake up in December and feel like his body's shot. You know, we don't know. But if he wants to play, he's going to play. Well, then you know, and show that's up fine. To it's camp one and pull year. A hamstring. You got to you got to take the thirty-two million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's tempting to well, go spend time with unless, your three families. Well, the ti- like, you know, unless the Tigers, you know, unless he came to them and said, you know, look, my body's shot. I really, I think it might be it. You know, but but you know, maybe I'll give it another shot. If the Tigers said, here's your money. You know, because if he retires, he doesn't get the money. If he, if he plays and he's injured or whatever, he gets the money. Right. If the Tigers could easily say and would be well within their right if he's feeling hurt or whatever or what, to say, because that's why his tune changed. And back-to-back days at the, in the clubhouse, I'm thinking, oh, I might not play next year. Oh, wait, I am. Obviously, the agent's like, that's 10% commission. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. you know, like, don't say that, you know. The, there's, I mean, if he were to come to them and say, I don't think I got it anymore, the Tigers would be well within their right and to, to just give him the money and, and say, you know. If you want to be an ambassador for us, you know, and come around whenever you want and do, you can have whatever role, you know, be, come around. If your body's shot, here's the money. He's getting that money 100%. Exactly. I, there's exactly. no, I'm t- however, whatever form it comes, I have no problem if Cabrera wants to be the 26th man and play a couple of times a week. Because mm-hmm. 
which what's the win loss difference between a guy with like a handful of at bats every week? It's just it's a negligible difference. I don't want to see him batting in the heart of the order every day that he's upright. No. You can't do it. No, he's not. It, it he's sacrifices his credibility for everything else you're doing. It's not, you know, you're not that guy. And by the way, Albert Pujols wasn't that guy when he signed with the Cardinals this year. And uh, he was, he was, he sued he, a radio guy 10 years ago for making a comment. So I'm going to tread carefully, but what's going on there? I mean, you know, I heard, I'm just asking questions. They test all the time. I don't. I don't think anything's going on. I think that he's. I think he's caught absolute holy hell. He hasn't been this good since 2012. That's no, he's, a fact. he's amazing. That's it's, ten, that's ten it's, years ago. It's amazing. It's it's what he's done is amazing. My point is, he wasn't that. You know, he wasn't an everyday player when he signed with the Cardinals. They they saw him as the role that Cabrera would probably be next year with the Tigers. You know, playing a couple of times a week or whatever. Um, you know, and he worked his way into it, but. Um, Miguel wants to be back. You know, I don't think he. I don't think he hurts the team. You know, um, I was surprised that you know Scott Harris didn't just say right on the spot, Miguel wants to be back. Miguel's back. <laughs> you know, because I think that again, that is a knowledge thing, and I just you, you can't cut the guy. People in this town want want you to cut him. So now you, you mentioned that. Um, the Puos thing. I totally unrelated. I had an entire segment planned on Victor Kant. You want to do that next? I'm kidding. Do you not know who Victor Conti is? Right over your head, you're a baseball guy. I can't say it because then I am going to get sued. Pujo sues radio host. If he, if he finds out that I mentioned him and Victor Conti in the same sentence, I'm going to be in trouble. Okay, Ben. I think we're good on the Tigers, right? Can I, can I do a, our little round the globe yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, you go to bed at like 8.15. This is no, I, well, That's because I golf in the morning, so I'm yeah. only, I have to get up early. I don't have these golf in the morning problems. Ben, let's run our first speed round since the relaunch. Let's do it. Okay, this is going to take me a minute to get over the fact that my favorite baseball writer does not know who Victor Conti is. But that aside, let's get to the speed round. You remember these rules. I do, yeah. You've done this whole thing. Yeah. Wait, there are rules? Very loose. Justin Rogers, the speed round is always longer than the body of the show. Big in the news lately in my atmosphere, Mel Tucker. The shine for a lot of people is off. I am not moved. I'm still a fan. I'm not really all that rattled. Maybe I'm delusional. What's your stance on Mel Tucker right now? Are you buying that uh, he's on the ropes a little bit in terms of his uh, reputation? Are you not bothered by what you've seen so far? What's your read on Mel Tucker? Um, from my perspective, I don't think anything's really changed. Um, I, you know, I mean, he, he got a lot of money. Okay, great. You know, everyone's going to talk about it. every loss. They're going to bring up the $10 million contract, whatever. You know, look, Michigan State made a choice. You know, you. Pay him. Is he worth $9 million, $10 million? No. Is there any coach that it is? Probably not. You know, maybe Nick Saban, you know. But they, they made a choice, which is, you know, they were, made, they were bold. They gave him the money, which is something that in the late 90s they didn't do. They let Nick Saban walk over, over less money than it took to keep Mel Tucker, and it led to the Bobby Williams, John L. Smith era. Michigan State decided we don't want to have all this transition in the third year and, you know, for the third time in three years. And so they gave him the money, you know. but this is year three, basically year two, if you don't, I mean, the COVID year. If you look at, you know, Mark D'Antonio had a really good second year. I think it was nine and three, nine and four, maybe with a bowl game loss. And everyone was really excited. And the next year was like six and seven or seven and six or whatever it was. And then the next year was boom, the fourth year. So no, it's, it's early. Now, 
Uh, the defense <laughs> is tough to watch. And I'm glad that I'm not a Michigan State beat writer who has to watch all these games because I have admittedly cashed in early on the last two games. It's brutal. It's tough to watch. But come on. I mean, it's just if you're going to bring up the money every time, I just think that's dumb. That's, well, what bu- I mean, that's what bugs me the most is like people bring up the contract. You know, it is what it is. It's not your money. You know, it's not even the state taxpayers' money. Like, you know, it's, you know, so who cares? They made a choice. They've identified this guy as their guy. And so they made a choice to give him money. If you're going to, he's not going to go undefeated. He's going to have bad losses. By the way, when they lose, they lose. <laughs> they lose They've bad. lost. Every game he's lost has been by double digits. Yeah, so. they don't leave any. D'Antonio was like the, the cardiac kid, you know, yeah. with, the, with the close wins, all those close wins that they had. What, what's the heartbreaking Mel Tucker loss? Like you're, you, you're usually like out mowing your lawn by yeah. the third quarter. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, exactly. Like, like I've turned on, I think I turned on, you know, Pitt and Western one time and Eastern and Arizona State another. Yeah. You're uh, either leaving happy or you left with like an hour more right. free time. Exactly. Than you yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah. It's so, that's, it's that's so early. It's so early. And if you, I mean, if you, if you think about, it, again, the COVID year matters. I mean, people, it's not an excuse. I mean, that was a tough time. And so, you know, this is his third year. I'll call it his second real year and if you look at d'antonio i mean there was the pickup and then the drop and then you know the ascension and i think that this guy has i think recruiting wise this guy has shown that he's going to get the pieces so i think next year could be a good year i mean yeah the real this year could fall apart real fast d'antonio did win a big 10 they had a really good team before this but that peak of the program didn't really hit until like six or seven years it was 13 so six years because 07 was year one and that's when they had the, you know, they finished uh, top six in the country for uh, three straight years. Like that's, that was year six, year right. six, seven, and eight. Right. So they had, I know they had a share of the Big Ten. They had a good year, but it was, it was like a nine win solid team. Mm-hmm. They weren't really scaring anybody. They were rolling top six, mm-hmm. three straight years, year six, seven, and eight. So I'm with you. I'm not. No, it's, it's, it's too early. It's too early. So I said, we talked about Dave Dombrowski. That's going to be our next one here. Now, we already talked about Dave more than I had anticipated. So we'll, we'll go real fast here. My legacy is for him, uh, A minus, wish he had gotten a bullpen arm or two when they could have. I think it would have made all the difference. What, what's sort of your two to three sentence read on the Dombrowski era, era here in particular? Failure, success? I mean, the best, the best sustained stretch of good Tigers baseball ever. Yeah. If you look at it. That's that's a fact. They didn't win a World Series and suck. You know, and um by the way, it's also, you know, I mean, it's it's not making excuses. It's hard to win a World Series. Okay. I mean you have to go through several rounds to win a World Series. It's it's hard. Um but you look at it, 2006, 2014, what a time to be alive and be a Tiger fan. I mean, every night that ballpark was insane for a basically the better part of eight, nine years. And, um, and he did that. He took a team, you know, that hadn't been, hadn't had a winning, t- winning season since the eighties. It was the nineties. Yeah. They had won like 81. They had, won, 81 they had like one year in the nineties where they were like contending for a wild card. And I think they traded away David Wells to the reds. And then that, it was bad. And that was it. That, but that was like, yeah, they had nothing. And, uh, you know, they were bad for so, I mean, there was a whole, Grew, uh, almost a generation of Tiger fans that didn't know anything about baseball, good baseball in this town. And then you had a whole generation that was given this. I mean, A, A. They were bad my whole he, life until I was 19. He didn't get it done, didn't win the World Series, and that'll be a regret. Um, 
but it wasn't without trying and it wasn't without making some damn bold and damn good moves. The pro Dombrowski argument is he had them in the World Series twice as a prohibitive favorite. So they were perceived by everybody. And they would have been a favorite if they made it to the 13th. And that was my second point. He built the best team in baseball in 2013. Yeah. So it's like you had, he had them on the doorstep twice as, as flawed as that 2012 team was. Look at the money lines for all four games. They were minus seven, 170 or higher in each individual game, even when they were down 3 0. They were clear cut favorites in that series. Just Vegas odds. You can say whatever you want. That's what they were. And 2012, uh, 2006 was even more so. And the Cardinals team doesn't even make the playoffs in three of the other divisions. No. So I mean, it was a joke that they were even there. So if they were in the American League, they would have been like 12 games back. So, so no, the I Dombrowski mean, era, I mean, he revitalized, uh, he revitalized a town that is a, a storied baseball town that had been just garbage for so long. I, I don't think you can look if you want to give him an A minus because he didn't win the World Series. That's fine. That's splitting hairs. But if you look at it, the longest stretch of sustained success in Tigers history. The only reason I ding him is because I thought they could have stolen Papelbon. I was screaming for it in real time. The guy's one of the best five pitchers alive out of the bullpen. He's asking to go. The Phillies are trying to give him away. Take the cancer for a month and a half. Who gives a shit? Anyway, yeah. moving on. Dan Campbell. I am the first, second, third, and 53rd person on the anti-Dan Campbell train. I love him as a guy. I'm rooting to be wrong. I, I, I like him personally. So this is not like a, a Matt Patricia thing where I found him so personally distasteful the dan campbell thing do you buy that this is gonna work i mean this is getting kind of silly right uh well uh and uh, anyone who knows me knows i'm no football expert by any stretch of the imagination um i i don't know like i like him i think he's fun like i like the enthusiasm uh he lost a lot of people when he didn't go for it on fourth and four last week. I mean, even me, a non-football fan, was sitting there going, before the play happened, going, this is the worst option out of three to Clear. kick a field goal. Even me. And I don't know shit about football, but three points to six points, whatever, you know, Pin him inside the one if you want to punt, or just go win the game, you know. And you you sell yourself as this aggressive, you know, guy, you know, the grit and whatever. And then you you power when it's the chance to go win a game. By the way, I mean, you go two and one. This town's insane, crazy. If they go two and one, they'd be looking at three and one. And with the Patriots without their quarterback, maybe. I mean, I just he, you know, I I lost a little bit for him on that call, and and. And then to come out like 15 minutes later and be like, yeah, I blew it. Well, good for you that you admit that. But that's, I mean, everyone's screaming that that's the worst possible decision. So maybe the smart lost, decision market me a little was bit. bad. Alvio would say the smart decision approaching market was bad, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there are degrees of bad. At least he had a little humility about it. But yeah. the, the time management, by the way, not even just that play, but for the previous two drives, I mean, they snapped the ball at the 11, the 12. Oh, I, I mean, you add up all these seconds. They threw on, they threw the one play on third and whatever, and it was an incomplete pass that would have burned another 40 or 30 seconds. Like, I mean, the game might be over, you know? I mean, the time management skills, and the, this has been an issue, obviously, not just this year. I mean, 
that's that's problematic when you're you know a football coach where there's a clock and the clock is so important. That's a top three coaching pet peeve in football for me. Like I get not taking it down the one. No, you don't want to go on the one, road. But they left ten seconds yeah, on there. Ten, twelve, every play. Yeah, every play. Yeah, it's a, you know two and a half minutes left. If you do that a couple of times, yeah, yeah. it's like a third it's of huge. the time left. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm not a Dan Campbell guy, and that was the worst decision, no matter who your specialists are. But when you have arguably the best punter in the NFL yeah. and a bottom five kicker, the decision's even worse because you have an even better chance of your elite punter pinning them and a much better chance of missing the field goal if you take it. I just that was insane. And that one loss complete, and you said oh, it. If they're two I mean, and one. Yeah. No, this town's going crazy out there two and one. Yep. And and then they have a chance to win these next uh next couple games. Yeah, you know? it could be it's four like, and that, that, and it's like, you know, the, Jared Goff's playing so well, you know, not great, but good. And that was better than I think a lot of people might even hope for. So um, they've just done too much to be one and two. Like, I, I, I mean, I just and I, he blew it. I mean, he cost him that game and that's problematic. Made I, multiple errors in the I, Eagles yeah. game too the week before. By the way. Yeah, but yeah, it was a, um, it, I definitely. I mean, for someone who's just a slightly better than casual football observer. Uh, that was uh, there was some troubling things in that game. All right, sure. you're off the boat. So am I. Good. Two more, Mister. The New East Lansing. I went up there for the first time in a couple years for the Michigan game of last year. That was a wonderful weekend for many reasons. I didn't recognize where the fuck I was. I feel like I'm in mini Chicago. I don't. I have mixed feelings on it. I'm glad that there's more than like the Taco Bell and LS Teco to eat there. There's like actual oh, restaurants. LS Teco is so good. Well, I like it, but so I mean. Good. You can't have you can't have the most expensive entree at the most expensive restaurant in a town like East Lansing be seven dollars. Like I I don't need filet, but like it can't all be fast food. I, I mean, let's face it, it's it's chains come in now. It's like hot cat and whatever pumpkin latte spice place or whatever. But like it, they're chains, but at least they're you know you can get like a Reuben sandwich that I'm you know, not a day away from being expired meat. Like I, I have mixed feelings on it, pro and con. I know, you know, you've been up there a few times since you were trying to, you know, derail the program because you loved Curtis Blackwell and all that stuff, as people claim. But uh, what's your take on it? I mean, you went to school there. It's unrecognizable to me. It's the pros and cons. What's it's it's unrecognizable every time I go. You know, yeah. I, and I don't get up there very often. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, quick, you know, quick, you know, I, I'll go on campus, you know, when I'm up there, you know, if I'm working. Um, so campus hasn't changed a ton compared to the city itself in East Lansing. So um, it changes every time I go. It's just, it's unrecognizable. Well, it is what it is. I mean, that's, you know, that's the world, you know, you evolve and you change and whatever. But uh, I liked it back when, you know, there was the peanut barrel and when it was still there. They go there and then the land shark and go home. So the benefit of the old East Lansing was you could stand anywhere in downtown and see the entire downtown. Right. Yeah. It's like, changed. Yeah. I liked, yeah, I liked yeah. the aesthetic and the vibe more. So it's like, functionally, and see, it, it's, it, it changed so much from when I was there, when you were there. I mean, it, Oh yeah. I mean, it just, every time I go, it's, it's like, Oh, that's new. That's new. That's new. Yeah. Have you seen that graduate hotel up there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be up in East Lansing tomorrow, actually. So we'll see what's going on in East Lansing tomorrow. Can golfing, I come? Golfing. Yeah, you don't oh, golf. You don't even know anything about golf. I don't have to golf. Just let me ride with you and I'll walk <laughs> around. The graduate East Lansing, they're not like a sponsor. This is not a, a secret plug or anything, but man, I love that spot. That is a great hotel. That that place is, is Where just, is it? 
It's right by uh, right across from Rick, like off Grand River. Okay. Um, right, it, it's in that you know that old abandoned like kind of the building that was abandoned for twenty years. Remember when I went up visiting my brother, who's twelve years older than me, and he was like, "Oh yeah, they're fixing that up. It's gonna be something soon." And literally, I was there as a student fifteen years later, and it still was so boarded up. It's like right. This is Rick's across the street on the west side. I don't, I don't know the directions. It's right by Rick's. Right across the street. Well, across the street that way. Yeah, it's not on the campus side. Well, obviously. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah, okay. yeah it's like right there. You could, yeah, I mean, check it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rocky Lombardi could hit it with a football. That's how close yeah. it is. You know, from really Rick's close. to the, yeah, it's, it's Rick's. I could do a whole thing on Rick's too, by the way. But Oh, uh, yeah. Rick's was great. They had, uh, when I was there, Rick's had the Fridays were $2 pitchers of Bush Light. Is that the deal? And uh, for happy hour, from like four to eight or something. They had free pizza, worst pizza ever, but it was free, so it was the best pizza ever. Yeah. So happy hour was free pizza and $2 pitchers of Bush Light. And it wasn't like these, like, got all personal pitchers. It was like the big, you know, you'd see in the 80s bars with all the cigarette smoke and everything, big pitchers. So we, we went there every Friday and we hosted, the state news was given a radio show on, on the impact on Friday nights. And I hosted it one semester with another girl and we would go, <laughs> we'd go to happy hour. And then go do the show. And it made for some good radio. Did the bathroom stalls have doors when you were there? I don't think so. So that, that goes way back. Yeah. I, maybe they've since added doors. I'd be willing to pay two fifty for the $2 pitcher for them to put a door on there. Not that I was ever into that kind of business there, but it's the principle. Like, and I'm sorry. I have used the facilities, the non-stall facilities at Rick's. And sometimes there are people in there. And that is just. Hi, sir. I mean, it was it was not pleasant. Like, can we? Please, how expensive can a bathroom stall door be? For Christ's yeah. sake, Rick's I, was fun. Yeah. That was probably where I went. Probably the second most behind the peanut barrel. That was peanut my least was, favorite. Peanut Rick's barrel was, was an every night thing. Rick's was my least favorite bar. My friends, it was like their favorite, so it was a constant source of tension. Yeah, yeah. But I have lots of constant sources of tension with my friendship circle. You would know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's finish here. The uh, athletic. Last one. The Athletic. I was a huge fan of The Athletic. I openly said I have no idea if this business model is going to work. No fucking clue. It didn't make sense to me. But I love the writers there. I loved past tense, and I love most of them now, present tense. But kind of a flop financially. The New York Times does a you know Obama-style auto bailout of them. Not really sure where they're going. They have made multiple cuts. They, uh, I mean, they didn't let Colton Pouncey go. Colton got his wish to cover the Lions, and they kind of replaced them giving my friend justin tim like a some coverage it just it hasn't really worked and i wanted it to work this yeah, whole subscription everyone, like, everyone did this robust subscription model obviously you guys have graduated to that a lesser version a little bit different with the detroit news just the athletic is an example of the state of journalism finishing here this could be a three-hour show but speed round version were you disheartened to see the athletic not fail but not really work at least in terms yeah. of how it was originally presented. Yeah, and they were, and they were a competitor, you know. And I, I think there are probably people in the business that were happy or are happy, you know, because that's how you know business is. It's you know, there's a lot of vindictiveness and, and stuff. But um, you know, I've I've, I've liked the idea um, from the get go, and they have some fantastic writers, uh, some of the best writers on the planet, and a couple of them are in Detroit and uh in the detroit market um so you know i thought it i wasn't necessarily sold that that was going to work at, on face value that they, they were going to do subscriptions and there weren't going to be any ads and whatever and all that stuff i, I wasn't necessarily sold because if that would have worked 
think it would have been done already. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's it, it kind of sucks. I hope you know. I hope that you know their New York Times connection will help. Um, you know, because I think it is a good product. Uh, I don't think it's quite the product it was. They've also changed their tune a little bit because it was all going to be we're not covering the day to day stuff, right? You know, we're covering we're doing the bigger picture stuff, which was the best part about it. You know, they've started to do a lot more if you realize if you look a lot more beat day, a lot more of the beat writer stuff, yep. which is we were sold that that wasn't going to be the case. It was going to be a different animal. Um, but uh, I hope it works out because uh, I I I don't have any ill will toward them, a competitor. I mean, I I I promote some of their stuff. They, 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 if you write. I mean, every day there's something on there still that is just like fun to read. Like, go read the Zach Greinke latest oral history. Like, they've done like four oral histories with Zach Greinke in the last like three you know, since the athletics started. That's a treasure trove. Oh my god! They just did a new one of just his time with the Royals this year, you know, and all these young people were talking about like, I mean, he has his own Uber driver. <laughs> I mean, it's just they have some really good stuff. I mean, really good reporters, really good writers. I hope it works out. I, I mean, they're competitors, but, you know, that's all right. Maybe just take them out of it. The idea, like that model, I, I, I am respectful of the fact that everyone's in different financial situations. And it's, it's not about, oh, come on, pony up. But I just think for myself, the bang for the buck that I get, I'm spending a combined, because uh, I, you know, strategically time the athletic on special. But between the athletic, you guys and the free press, and like, 14 or 16 bucks a month or something it's under 20 whatever it is it's hours and hours of enjoyment a month like to me it's the best buy in town mm-hmm. i mean i'm not just saying that you know i love your work and mm-hmm. justin rogers and burkett over yeah, at the I free think it's fantastic value yeah I mean, and, and and please pay people if and, you can. and it's just a, and i we still get you know, and that's going to be another hour, but we still get the people sniping that, you know, when we post stories that paywall. will paywall and whatever. And it's just like, man, where can you go and just expect a product for free? You know, we, yeah, we did it to ourselves. We get it. We, you know, this whole internet thing was created in the 90s and we're like, oh, that's cool. Let's all have a web page and put everything on there for free. We did it to ourselves. Uh, I get it. We We share some of the blame, but. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't go to Big Mac, you know, McDonald's order Big Mac and bitch that's behind a paywall. Like, I mean, where can you go and get that for free? And I think that I'll argue that we are a good value. I mean, right now you can go on our website, plug DetroitNews.com, two years for $22. I'm like, come on, two years for $22. I'll show for you. you I'm not being paid on the side. I don't think you can afford to pay me on the side with that rate. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, I, I honestly think it's, it, it's a steal. And again, I, I, I respect people are in different financial situations right, right, yeah. from each other. And, but I just think like it's the best bang. I was personally bummed by the athletic thing. It, it hasn't failed. It's still up no, producing yeah. work. But as sort of constructed or targeted, it did not work. No. I mean, it was a financial flop and they've had to completely restructure and the quality hasn't disappeared but it's been denigrated degraded a little bit yeah there's no I, one covering michigan fair. state every day there's right. like one article, michigan state article a week now yeah no he's not he's not full-time you know I mean, oh it's not against him he's, no, he's an no. engineer right. he's, like, he's like fixing machines and shit. right yeah no it's uh no i mean i you know i was excited by the concept i think everyone in journalism was because you know we were excited to see if this would work and it's not that it hasn't it just hasn't worked as as expected, so as, as they would hope, and 
Um, it's still a great product. They still have some fantastic writers. Well, speaking of great product and fantastic writers, Tony Paul, great to have you. Oh, back, thanks man. for having me, man. You 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 broke the tie today with Chris Castellani. Did I? You Is that now, official? That is official. You guys were tied. You got you guys are doing this kind of uh, yo-yo back and forth. I'd love to have you back if and when the world is shaken by the Aaron Judge signing or the Otani trade. Well, wouldn't that be fun? But I want you to block off some time for me. Hey, no. Evan Petzl doesn't fun return to come my calls here, anymore. Come, fun to come here before the season and just see where they are and see what I'm the in. roster, because I think if you listen to that press conference, uh, and uh, I've been to a lot of press conferences, and again, that one was entertaining for me. And I don't get entertained by very many of these press conferences. That one to me was entertaining. If you listen to it, you just get the sense that you know, yes, he's going to evaluate and take his time for now, but things are going to change pretty quickly once he makes up his mind what he wants to do. Dude, you know how cynical I am. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. Like, look who you're talking to. I know. How many times have we sat here and I've just shoveled cynicism into your lap from this side well, of the table? You're not so cynical on Michigan State. That's where the blinders are. Uh, I don't know. I did a YouTube video that's still up called East Lansing is burning after Luke Fickle turned us down. <laughs> I, I, I can go there. I just don't manufacture it. I, you know, it's, and this will be stealing a line from Mike Valenti, but it's like, do good things, I'll say good things. Do bad things, right. I'll say bad things. Right. I just, I am not someone to get excited over nothing. Like if I'm excited, I think there's some, you know, I'm giving myself credibility. There's, there's some weight to it. Like, I'm sorry, there are people in the Tigers fan base shit and gold with what the Tigers are doing every year. I have not been excited about what they've been doing in like six years. So I'm just, no matter how it goes, I'm excited that I am excited. I mean, it's, yeah. That, yeah. it's, it's, it's sad, yeah. but it's true. And I like, think a lot of people, a lot of Tiger fans are in that boat. And I'll tell you, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because they lost the eyeballs this year. I mean, after May. I mean, I don't watch them every day. You know, I mean, I used to watch this team religiously every day. I'd see every game. I'd cover a ton of games. I don't even cover them that much anymore because I'm not needed because no one cares. That's the thing. Like I used to cover, I used to be around this team a lot more than I am now, like physically, I mean, at the ballpark on a regular basis, but they don't need me as much now because there's not the interest. So at least, you know, that's the problem, you know, and, and we talked about this before, like, even if you have a bad team, you could be interested, you know? Oh yeah. Like those nineties, I don't know. You're young. Those 90s Tigers team were terrible. They were interesting because they could hit the ball a mile. <laughs> like their lineup yeah. was full of guys that could hit 30, 40 home runs. They were interesting. So if you're going to be bad, be interesting. You can't lose the eyeballs. And they lost them this year. And this is a good, good step in the right direction. I think Chris recognized uh, right away with, with when he, after he fired, finally, when he fired Avila, uh, that he had to uh, do something bold. And I, this is way more bold than I was expecting. So I was expecting Burns. You never said yes or no. So this was the Mike Illich moment. But, yeah, I guess. Because I think you can give a viewer some credit with, with A.J. Hinch, too. So, I, no. No, I mean, look. I mean, Avila identified him and Chris Illich wanted I, him. Yeah, what I, identifying so, him? Best manager in baseball. He's so sitting there why, in the white side. That's, why I'm, that's I'm agreeing with you, Justin. That's why I say, yeah, probably this is the moment. Don't give Avila credit for anything. Just, uh, he, come on, uh, man. He, 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 he got A.J. Hinch on the radar. Best manager in baseball sitting there wouldn't give you the time of day if you weren't a, a downtrodden franchise. And if the White Sox can have their How'd heads so out their ass. How'd that work out for the White Sox? I mean, oh, my God. Tony <laughs> what a Bruce. disaster. That, by the way, everyone saw coming, 
including White Sox fans. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the yeah. White Sox social media team had AJ Hinch's signature on the yeah. fucking yeah. graphic. I mean, oh, he was he was flying there the next day. The White Sox did the Tigers a tremendous favor. I think that could pay off a big time. And not just yeah. Oh, that would have been fun having like Lloyd McClendon in that role, but for that, so no, I give Avila no credit for someone falling in his lap. Oh. I mean, he identified AJ Hinch. I can't believe you said that. Identified. My AJ. point is that that was both of them. What, so what are diamond why, and rough was, no, uh, Point is that was both of them that got AJ Hinch. That's so I'm agreeing with you. Yes, this is yeah. Chris Illich's big moment. I, I mean, kind of me. Sorry, I, just, I hate that. I hate him. Not by person. the way, they're building a hotel in District Detroit. This. They are. They are. Like no, right, they're not. Like right near the arena. Yeah. They're fucking with they me. Fought, no, they finally. If you look, they, they came up with a plan just a couple days ago or weeks ago. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. And so soon. Only seven I years I past. Know. I know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, considering he said the whole thing was going to be built up by 2018, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah, but so. COVID. COVID, oh, yeah. COVID that happened in 2020. You saw the my plan. <laughs> we did a we did a whole like episode on that. He came out in that Wojo interview. And said, yeah, it Wojo, I mean, to his credit, asked him about the Detroit, of course, offered no pushback when the preposterous answer came out of Chris Illich. Now, Chris Illich said, oh, yeah, we had big plans for the district of Detroit, but nobody saw the pandemic coming. Motherfucker, <laughs> this shit was supposed to open in 2017 and be completed by 2018. Yeah. By your own words. I've tweeted the video. Mm-hmm. So somehow COVID got into a time machine and jumped a couple years in the past and, and fucked with only the district of Detroit. No one knew about it. Ugh. Sorry. No, I'm trying to be positive, but no. I really have. They've fucked this fan base for seven years, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And we all knew the Fuddy Duddies, the, the bozos in this fan base, including myself, knew five years ago that this shit, four years ago anyway, that shit was not working. Mm-hmm. We just wasted an entire Olympic cycle. And it just, it just, how does it go? How far it had fallen? Think about how excited this town, including me to an extent. Got when this team finished seven games under 500 last year. I mean, that's how desperate we were to believe that something good was happening. But we almost didn't lose more than we won, you know? Yeah. I mean, the things and, we're hanging our hats yeah. on are pretty pathetic. I didn't but, really buy that all that much. It's the same thing with this. It's like, I did because look, the, the, they've got some arms. Now, they all got injured. They've still got, you know, they got some arms. And it's unfortunate that Mize is going to be gone for a while in school. And, you know, they get Turnbull back, but they've got, they have, they had arms. That's why I was, you know, believing that this could have been a fringe contention and next year would be the contending year. I'm hoping the next time I talk to you, whether it's April or December winter meeting type of thing, that is all positive because I'm not bringing up Al Vila again. So the, I just, I like what they're doing. I like what you're doing at the Detroit News always. You're Thanks. always in my top five Thanks. whenever Thanks. I release the, the Spiro Avenue power rankings. Yes, you're a friend, but I was a fan before I was a friend of yours. Tony Paul, you're the man. Thanks oh, for doing it. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to come back. That was See Tony what Paul. else you do with the place. We, yeah, I'm working on it. Just to impress you, like looks I great, said. Man. It looks great. Uh, the balls are on the table, Mr. Castellani. You have been passed. So you need to show up here just a tie. So no pressure. She sir. usually does. When I've caught him in the past, he's usually like knocking on the door. Well, right he doesn't now. fuck around. He might be in the driveway <laughs> yeah, right now. Exactly. So let's run a double header here. So anyway, appreciate you, Tony. Thanks, have Justin. to have you back soon. Ben Augusta been working his fucking ass off back there and behind the scenes for us for months. We were off for seven months. Peyton Thorne was the guest before you, Tony. That's a seven-month gap, and we were talking about the incredible state of the Michigan State program fresh yeah, off yeah. an 11-win season, so yeah. that may as well have been seven yeah. years ago at this yeah. point. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. 
I got a couple fun ones in the hopper. I'm excited, but it's just good to be back. We appreciate everyone out there. Eric Williamson back home. Love you, man. And uh, that's it. Let's do it. We'll see you again soon.